What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. Soul City exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And we hope that this podcast helps you move forward in faith wherever and whoever you are. Okay, so let's get into today's conversation. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Jarrett. And I'm Noelle. And you're listening to the Transformation Podcast. The Transformation Podcast is a new podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. That's right. And if you've ever been around Soul City Church or you know who we are, you know that we have a global vision, but a simple mission. We want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, wherever you're at, Today, we're going to be talking about how we transform our view of work, how mm-hmm. we actually get on purpose when it comes to work, whatever that may be for us. Yes, and we're so excited because today, today, we are switching it up a bit. Mm. Well, that's good because I know y'all heard Jared at the beginning. It's so. getting old, yeah. <laughs> heard we are switching it up and joining us in the studio is John Jorgensen, my co-host. <laughs> I did that just oh for you, Noel. <laughs> Y'all, it's so good, good to be here. It's so good to be Brought here. My own rap horn for you, Noel. I I'm, hope you I'm appreciate that. I'm actually super excited about it. It was nostalgic, and yeah, I'm so bringing excited. it back because yes. we're because everyone knows that John is from the streets, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna act like we're in the club while we're having streets this conversation on work. <laughs> streets of Woodfield. He's on the, for <laughs> those of you for those Come of you who, who live in Chicago <laughs> and John straight out of the streets of Woodfield. You Woodfield. had that. You had that in your pocket, ready to do. I may have used that one before. I may have used that one before. So, John, welcome. We are so glad that you are here. Do you want to give a little intro of who John is, Noel? Yeah, so John is one of our teaching pastors here at Soul City. He's a great speaker, a great mm-hmm. voice of God. Um, and so, for God, I should say, and the master of musicals. I want to also acknowledge that we he is a, that. <laughs> a master of musicals. I feel like in Did two he seconds. Write that? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> you you we have i wrote that um so yes john we wanted you to drop one musical real quick for the people one musical any uh, musical you want him to perform musical. a whole musical right now noel from the yeah. very beginning just come on now you guys know what okay I mean. well okay so if if <laughs> if we're wanting to drop some sort of musical knowledge anyone who is a musical theater person would know that if you're going to talk about work there's two musicals you would talk about there's one being hamilton and what do Peggy, Angelica, and Eliza all have in common? Oh, they work. Sisters? Oh, they work. Okay. Work. Okay. <laughs> and then the second one would be uh, the musical Nine to Five. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking before the pod about my references and how our audience is too young to get my references, but I saw the movie Nine to Five, Nine to five yeah. before it was actually Absolutely. So that's uh, that's why I pull Hamilton for the young crowd, uh-huh. nine, to nine to Five for the for old heads. Okay. And I told them I only get one out of ten of their references. Yes. Even if it is so directly targeted to you, you still only <laughs> get one out of ten. Even though, I mean, you're going to hear me pause a lot yeah. today. Yeah. So. You're, that's because she's Googling. <laughs> yeah. She's just in the background <laughs> Googling. Nine what to does, five what or does? nine to seven p.m. Yeah. Yeah, no. she's on she's on askjeeves.com. That's right. Don't know. She doesn't even is. know what that is. <laughs> See, another reference. Doesn't huh? even know what that is. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, John, uh, for those of you who may not know you or who haven't read your self-published, self-funded autobiography, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little something about you, maybe that folks might not know. Uh, so, yeah, this is not just about me, but also includes uh, 
another two people in this room, actually. Mm. So I want you all to know that God was putting this podcast team together long before this podcast was even an idea. Mm. Long before even uh, Soul City Church even existed. Oh, oh wow. Mm. Julian and I, Julian, our wonderful producer who's here, <laughs> we discovered as we were setting up that he and I played travel baseball in the Chicagoland suburbs at the same exact time Whoa. and likely played against one another Whoa. at some point, Whoa. circa like wow. early 2000s. Wow. When Goes we were way back. 12, 11 years old. Wow. Not only that, but Noelle and I discovered a shared history mm-hmm. that we have. <laughs> uh, she she mentioned an English teacher that she had when she yes. was in high school. Yes, I did. And that English teacher directed a musical that I was in when I was in high school. We rehearsed that musical at her high school that she went to. Yes. And yes, so we ran true. in some of the same circles. My, my, circle my. 2000, what, 9, 10? Well, hold on. You're a little older than me. So <coughs> you were in the Please. circle and I was not in it, but I knew about it later on. Yes, so. you were You were taking field trips to the high school Ooh. from fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> that was exciting time, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a lot of hand of God. Yes. Hand of God. Uh, connected all over. Mm-hmm. Yes. Woven through all these years. Well, that's pretty incredible. That's awesome. Well, thanks, John, for telling us that a little bit about how you're connected to everyone but me. That yep. really means a lot. Uh, and then Jarrett and I met a few years ago because yep, yep, I started just coming still here. getting to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. This is so fun. Mm-hmm. Anything else you'd like to share about yourself or um, the listeners? Something new that they might not know. Something new that they might not know would be, you know, we're, we're having this conversation about work today. And uh, I am the type of person, I don't know about both of you, but I'm the type of person who um, I'm more like all work and no play mm. type of person. Um, and I am very grateful that I married someone who is uh, closer to the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Aaron is the type of person where like, if she cannot work, she would rather not, mm. you know, whereas mm-hmm. I'm the exact, I'll find things Something to, to work on. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you guys like? I'm interested. Um, I would say I'm all work and a little play too. Little. Yes. I think right now in the pandemic, the work helps me kind of build some structure around mm-hmm. my life. And I mean, some could say I'm a little ambitious, so I do like work, but playing is good. It's good to have a balance mm. to embrace the balance of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm probably play a little too much and then <laughs> scramble to get all the work done. <laughs> kind of. So it's a play play. And then, oh, oh man, I got to get this work done and yes. then scramble to get all the work done. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 So, so last weekend, at Soul City, you talked about how we can get on purpose with our work, and it was a great message, and I'm really excited to go dive deeper today and unpack that for the listeners, but I wanted us all to start off by talking about one of our worst experiences mm. at our job, because mm. our, our experiences build on one another. It fuels mm. how we look about, how we think about work, I should mm-hmm, say, yeah. and so let's share that with our listener. Mm, <laughs> our, yeah, that's what we were talking about ahead of time. <laughs> we're just going to assume that only one person is listening, so we're going to... Absolutely. This is just for our listener. Yes. Mm-hmm. Only I'm one so person. grateful for all our listener. Thank Shout you, out Mama. listener. Thank Shout you, out to Mama. the listener. So worst work experience? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, for both of you. oh, okay. So oh, and for you too. Get ready. Oh, this is true. So this, <laughs> I, I should say before I even answer this, I am quite lucky and quite blessed that I've had pretty good work experiences mm-hmm. for my entire life. I'm very blessed in that way. <laughs> One that comes to mind immediately, when I first moved back to the Chicagoland area, I drove Uber for about a year and a half when we moved into the city as mm-hmm. I was finding other odd jobs to do. And I drove Uber specifically in the morning shifts usually, but 
you also made the most money like Friday night, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm driving around, I'm driving around and I pick up this group of like rich high school boys from the Evanston area, but I Mm -hmm. pick them up like closer to the loop and they're headed home after like a concert and they pile into my car like, like I'm their mom picking them up from football practice. (laughs) And the kid jumps in to the, to the passenger seat. He's like, yo, Ox cord now. Ooh. Oh, and like okay. Th- and okay. Not in this car. I his rating a couple stars. <laughs> this is not gonna go well. Yeah. And I, so I give him the ox cord, and we listen to heavy, intense gangster rap. Okay. This, this like car full of like four younger white guys just rolling up Lakeshore Drive. Oh my god! All the way to <laughs> Evanston. It was terrible. Oh it was gosh. a terrible forty minutes. That's a because that's a little bit of a haul. It was a haul. You, you were with them for <laughs> quite yep. a minute. Yep. Yeah. Did they ask for snacks if you had snacks for them and stuff? <laughs> they, we did. We did drive past them. with like, oh, we're real hungry right now. From White <laughs> Castle. And they were about. I could tell they were about to ask me to like pull over and get some food. And then they're like, no, no, no. We got this. We uh, we got this back at the house. Blah blah blah. It's coming over. And so okay. Like, oh, good. Good. That's a long <laughs> night. It was not a. F- and then I was. The problem was I was up, you're in up in Evanston, Evanston, and you get stuck because you keep getting calls. Mm. And I kept. I ended up driving high schoolers from like party to party oh, really? hey. on a Friday night in Evanston. Well, Did they keep calling you? Uh, oh, well, is it call? Yeah, you, you get an, yeah, I don't call know. For I kept yeah. getting yes, pinged. Call for, call for pinged yeah. And I was like going back and forth between these four houses and it was just like, oh, come on. I'm you cl- found a gold mine up there though. That's, un- that's, that's like, true. you just, you struck that's gold. True. And keeping them safe. They're not getting behind the right, wheel of cars. Right, right, like right, that's right, good, right, but right, right. it was not where I wanted to get. That's not where you wanted to do it. All right. Well, so my, one of my worst experiences uh, I can't remember if I ever shared the story before. It was driving as well. I mm-hmm. was driving. I was a uh, pizza delivery guy. Hey. In, uh, I think it started my senior year. Yeah. And then into college for two years. And I uh, had learned how to drive stick shift when I got my license, but then didn't have a car that was stick. And so, it, you know, you just kind of like, oh, I'll, don't worry about it. I'm not, the, I don't need to keep that skill. I need mm-hmm. to keep that, you know, brushed up. Well, my car had broken down. I had to borrow uh, my brother's truck, which was a stick shift, and I had to deliver pizzas all night. And this is in California where there's a lot of hills. Mm. And I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm by myself, and you're trying to get things there as quick as possible. And I had one delivery that was n- maybe two miles away. And it took me 45 minutes and I kept rolling down the hill backwards and like stalling out and grinding out the engine. And it was the most stressful, the longest night of my life. Every pizza was cold and like slid all to one side because I kept jerking Mm -hmm. back and forth. We've all had it. So it was easily one of the longest nights of my life having to teach myself all over again, how to drive stick while carrying other people's dinner. I have an image of you driving around like the pizza delivery truck in toy story one yeah it wasn't i wish it wasn't pizza planet level but it was but but yeah it was like that though that uncontrollable it was not a pretty not a not a pretty sight and i just have to imagine driving stick in general because i've never done you never done it Mm. oh man i'll teach you i'll teach you afterwards the the midwest where we're at is the easiest place to learn it is so flat here you have nothing to worry about i don't want to struggle with driving though i feel like it's hard yeah, we'll, well, we'll get into we'll that. We'll get into it. <laughs> you know, you know, in our, uh, getting on purpose with driving. I think yeah. that's week four of this. Look 
Look teaching series that we're in. do that so easy. Yeah. Yeah, Slapping next titles week. on yeah. everything. <laughs> that's next week. Good stuff. All right. Um, wait, wait. So, no, you're not getting off the hook. So, <laughs> one of your worst experiences at work, Noelle, would be what? Oh, my goodness. Well, I would say, I, I think I've talked about this, though. I, I just worked for, I think Great American Bagel was just not the job for me. <laughs> and. Yeah. It, it wasn't mean, suited to your skills. It was not suited to my skills or my diet because I kept eating bagels every day. Mm. And and I just didn't like, I was a high schooler, so I didn't want to wash dishes. I didn't want to wash dishes at home, let alone wash dishes at, you know, Great American Bagel. And, and you know what? He was just like, you know, you don't smile as much as you used to. I was like, yeah, because before I was getting bagels, like as a customer, now I'm serving them. Yeah, it's and different. And I'm not feeling it. On the other so side. I think that was one of my, like, experiences where I learned, okay, um, this just isn't for me. Mm. However... I still like bagels, and I still go see him from time to time. Well, so see, I think you're still in a relationship. Yeah, brushing, well, brushing, washing the floors and stuff. I was just like, oh, I feel like Cinderella up in here. Yes, I, can't didn't come to, I didn't come to do this. <laughs> Noelle, our listener wants to know, I know that our listener wants to know, your go-to bagel. What's your go-to bagel oh and spread? Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, this okay. now, we're, now we're in your wheelhouse. Now we're, now we're talking. Okay. When I walk in, um, I get a cinnamon raisin bagel. Okay. I'm an old lady, sure. actually. Cinnamon raisin bagel bagel toasted yeah of course with a side of vanilla cream cheese because yeah. you don't want to put it on the bagel oh, no. because it gets soggy but yeah. if you put it on the side you could dip it Di oh dip, dip it yeah like dip it in yeah no, i know what dipping is yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> that you don't have to show me <laughs> you know like a I, i've just done, i don't think i've ever dipped my bagel before so this oh. you're opening up all kinds of new yeah that was my first time even really eating bagels that way so that way. Wow, taking it to another level. All right, good, good. Well, <laughs> if our listener has any other questions, <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure we get to them. Uh, John, so you you just taught this last weekend on work. You did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. So if anyone's missed that message, you can go back on mm -hmm. our Soul City podcast and listen to it, or watch it on YouTube. Uh, and and you, you you know you didn't get to this as much, but I know you've done a lot of work around this. Is the idea of the difference between work and vocation? Mm. Mm. Um, so I want to kind of expand what you taught on this last weekend, and the idea of calling and vocation and work, and what's the difference? You know, for some people, the the thought is, I have to get that job that perfectly aligns with my passions, my gifting, my yeah. calling. And it has to also pay my bills. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that can be really elusive. That can be also really disappointing, mm -hmm. you know, if the, if you're locked into those having to be the same thing. Yeah. But there's a difference between sort of maybe our calling and our job or our vocation or our work. Or, or is there, I guess? Yeah. And what would you say about that? Yeah, I think it, I think it depends on probably who you ask. I think the vernacular and the word choice uh, differs from person to person. So I'll, ta I'll talk about how I think about it and how, you know, different folks that I've read or listened to have thought about it because you're right. We throw around a lot of different words, work, job, purpose, calling, mission mm -hmm. is something we also use in, in, the, in the church mm -hmm. world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Assignment, <laughs> vocation, all those things. Yeah. And you know, the most familiar thing I think for all of us, even outside of the church world, is your job. It's the thing that mm -hmm. you do, the the work that you do, and you get a paycheck for doing it. It's Great American Bagel, it's <laughs> pizza delivery, it's whatever it might be. Then there's, uh, you know, this idea of work, which for me, and what I kind of talked about this past weekend, is it's the thing that bridges the gap. You know, we can be lucky enough if work is work can just be a job, but mm -hmm. also work can be something deeper, something mm -hmm. more purposeful, more meaningful, which is when we start to move towards this idea of vocation and calling. And rather than 
coming up with my own sort of definition of it, I want to read a, a short paragraph from um, Parker Palmer, mm-hmm. who wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak. Classic. Uh, it's a classic. Amazing. If you are interested yeah. at all in this idea of calling or vocation way beyond just jobs, but in life and how it connects with your identity, mm-hmm. Let Your Life Speak is essential reading for that. So uh, Palmer says this, Our deepest calling is to grow into our own authentic selfhood, whether or not it conforms to some image of who we, quote, ought to be. As we do so, we will not only find the joy that every human being seeks, we will also find our path of authentic service in the world. True vocation joins self and service. As Frederick Buchner says, he defines vocation as the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Mm. And so I, I think that's how I often think about this idea of... Can you read that Buechner quote again? That's yeah. so good. Uh, he defines vocation as the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Mm. And Palmer calls that as it joins self and service. Mm-hmm. Mm. A- and I think that that's, that is precisely it. Um, it is finding some sort of way where your authentic, unique design and abilities and talents and, you know, everything that's stirring within you goes out into the world and loves and serves others and loves and serves God, as we've talked about so often on this podcast already. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I think that's really good. And we talked about this a little bit previously, but I'm just thinking about like that definition versus what culture tells us Mm -hmm. is work and calling and I don't really see that in culture where it's like yeah what's the world's deep need like what Mm -hmm. does the world need I see get your money Mm -hmm. you know be successful build your influence build your your platform Mm -hmm. buy buy the house buy all of these things and that's a very like Mm self-reflective of like what do I need not what the world needs but what do I need to prove to people that I'm successful Mm -hmm. and so and I, I think that's a great opportunity for believers to kind of flip that idea on its head, but it's also similar to the life of Jesus, very countercultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just like, what what do we do with that? What do we? How do we hold those two things? Because we live in this world, but we're apart from it. And so, how do you um, wrestle with wanting to be successful, and but also wanting to have that joy of being in your meeting the world's deepest need? You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, well, and I think also there's a there's a certain extent to which. Oftentimes in in the, quote, business world, you do focus on what the need is, but only as a way to enhance the bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, let's let's figure out what is the felt need of our audience or our demographic or our customer mm. so that we can sell more and make more and do more right. for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's exactly what you're talking about, Noel, that the uh, a calling from God is actually um, uh, perhaps flipped in that it, it starts with, a both and that there's mm-hmm. a deep need that, that you see in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to ask, Oh, how has God uniquely designed me yeah. to meet that need? Yeah. yeah. Where I'm most alive and most aligned with who God's already made me to be. That is meeting and speaking and directly into, to this need. I mean that the, the thing that's interesting about that, John, and I love that Parker Palmer book. I mean, like, yes. mm-hmm. listen, if you're in your twenties <laughs> for real, Get yes, that book. Yeah. It's called Let Your Life Speak. Mm-hmm. It's short. Very short. Very. Um, and 
so beautiful, so powerful. And um, that, that idea of it may not, your paycheck may not always be aligned with your calling, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you don't have a calling. And mm-hmm. sometimes it really does. Sometimes it does line up. And sometimes you're able to clear, you get to work, you know, if you have the opportunity and uh, to do that, you get to work your work in, you know, to get closer and closer aligned mm-hmm. with that. But I love that idea of, you know, that it starts with this, there is this great need in the world I am passionate about and I'm gifted to play this part into it, to speak into it. And yeah. I just think that's so much more freeing than some elusive dream job yeah. that we don't know really what the purpose of it is. It's just like, yeah. we're, th- cause we're supposed to have a dream job. Yeah. I'm, what, what, well, what's the, what's the dream? Yeah. I don't know. Like you said, Noel, get more stuff, get more money, get a house. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. that, is that really meeting the world's great need? Yeah. And who's informing the dream? Yeah. Like who's telling you that that's the dream that you should have for yourself? And mm. I think that really, cause again, I read Parker Palmer's book. I have my copy in here too. Um, that's Look my little nerd moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's really good in terms of how he processes. It's already in you. It's like who mm. you were designed and created yeah. to be. And so it's sitting with God about what are, like imagine being able to walk in that purpose and have joy and excitement, mm. especially when, if you are very uh, self-intuitive and you have this moment where you're working on something or doing something, you're like, wow, I really like this I feel full I feel excited about this um and to have that opportunity throughout your life is is a is a good opportunity I think but basically I just want to drop drop down to I think I'm always going to think about childhood in this moment like Mm. um who informed you what success was Mm -hmm. and sometimes Mm -hmm. we're living through what other people tell us is successful and sometimes it's not even what we want to do or what we were Mm -hmm. created for or what we enjoy but it's just like who's informing my dream who's Mm -hmm. informing is God informing it because if God's informing it he's going to lead you to serving other people Mm -hmm. but if, if someone else is informing it it may lean towards making other people think you're better than them or making other people jealous of what you have so I think that just I'm just thinking through that as we're talking, like what's informing our vocation or our calling, who's informing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that. And then I'll also highlight something you said, um, that it's something that, that already exists in a mm-hmm. way and it's to be discovered. And the, something Palmer says in the book is that, you know, your calling, it is not necessarily a goal to be achieved, but it is a gift to be received, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think for me, when I think about my own, you bring up childhood, and I think about my relationship to work and how far back that has been developed. I mm. was born 11 pounds, 11 ounces. Mm. I was the, I was the largest, <laughs> the king of the nursery, quote unquote. And so f- literally from the moment I came into the world, I was performing at like a high level, you know, and mm-hmm. an exceptional level. I was beyond my years, quote unquote. And that narrative just continued. Mm into you know sports and then eventually into theater and into a lot of the things that I put my hand to the narrative was you know John is going to perform at a high level John has talent or whatever it might be and so I think for me that became my definition of work the point Mm -hmm. of work was to just succeed at it yes it was to succeed at it It was to be, be the best at it and then move on and where I have really struggled as I've continued to grow into adulthood and grow in my relationship with God is because I have attached the purpose of work to success in any realm for so long, I've never really asked myself, well, where do I actually feel most alive? Yes. Cause I only right. feel most alive 
when I'm crossing a fish fi- finish line. Yeah. And what it's in was arbitrary to me mm-hmm. for the longest time. And so the work for me, I think, especially in the last several years, has has been to step away from success being the only barometer for purpose mm-hmm. and instead talking about wh- what is actually making me come most alive and what is most aligned with uh, what the deep need that I'm seeing in the world and how can I serve that? Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just the last thing about this part, but I was thinking about like even getting to that level of self-actualization. Like if you ever heard of Maslow's hi- hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. like there's so many things that need to be met uh, in terms of safety and food and all of these things before you can even get to that point. So it's like you're building on that throughout your life. You're building off, you know, into adulthood. How do I sustain myself to even know like what my calling is to even get to that point where I can dream about what God wants for me. And I, and I always want to make sure I acknowledge that for myself is like the foundation of this is safety in my life Mm -hmm. in order to even get to the point where I can invite God into my calling. But, but again, I'm, I digress. So, well, (laughs) I think that's so good because I think part of you, you know, you were talking about the definition of success created by our culture. I think, what goes part and parcel with that is this idea that you have to have it now. You yeah. have to figure it out mm-hmm. now and in, in your twenties yeah. and in your thirties that you have to have it figured out. And as the oldest guy in the room, uh, <laughs> you know, I can say that I'm getting closer and closer the older I get, but I, I don't even feel like I'm there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to free yourself from this thing of, I have to figure this out. And Oh my gosh, if I don't have this all dialed in by the time I turn 30, I've failed and I'm behind. That's just not of God. That is a, 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 yes. a, a pressure that we've created and put on ourselves. And like you said, it, it comes from sitting with God, sitting with yourself, listening to the spirits affirmation of when you feel most alive, when you mm-hmm. feel most aligned with God. And that is a process. My goodness, that's a process. Right. Cause if you have it all figured out now, I mean, <laughs> what, what else are you doing? I, yeah, mean, I mean, if you, if it's all done, God is like, I want to work through this with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. Um, I do want us to move forward um, and talk about um, those who may be out of work right now or those who may have lost a job. And so even this, like I said, this whole conversation around, um, purpose and calling and vocation in work um, seems like a luxury to them. Yes. And so what would we say to those people? How can we collectively talk to those people about um, how to have purpose in the work that we're doing now? Yeah, I, I, that's that's very true. That idea that it can feel like a luxury or even, you know, it's it's a privilege to even to an extent to be even able to entertain the idea Mm -hmm. that the work that I do should also be personally fulfilling to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I have a family who needs to eat, you know, I have bills that need to be paid. And Mm -hmm. so I'm grateful to have any sort of work, any sort of job. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's very real. And I think what, what we've already been talking about is that is the danger of marrying a calling and a vocation or a purpose so closely or only to the job that you work mm-hmm. nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that, uh, that I wrote down a little while ago um, as I was working on this teaching that didn't actually make it into the teaching itself is that you may not always have meaningful work but you can always do work in a meaningful way. John, say again. get that rap horn back it out. Should, it should have made it into the teaching, but it just oh. it didn't necessarily work. <laughs> say but it again. But I think that's true. Like you, you can't always have meaningful work. You know, you you can't always have that. 
first of all, you can't always have a job, mm. right. it's, you know, it's especially not, in today's climate. It's not climate. promised or guaranteed. It's not yeah. promised, yeah. you know, and once you do have a job, it do, it's not going to be the most meaningful, fulfilling thing in the world. Even if you have a job that overall is fulfilling, as we all know, mm-hmm. there's parts we all, I believe, have jobs that we love and we find fulfilling. Mm-hmm. There's parts of it that aren't always right. that way. Right. Yeah. There's, there's busy work that you have to do. So you can't always do meaningful work, but you can always make the choice to do the work that has been placed before you in a meaningful way. Yeah. Mm. And I, I think immediately of uh, Brother Lawrence, the the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm. For those who aren't familiar with it, you know, Brother Lawrence, he was essentially a custodian for, you know, years, his m- many, many years of his career. But he he is famous for like, when I am sweeping this hallway, I can do it with God and and I can do it for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. You know, if I am cleaning this bathroom, I can do it with God and I can do it for the glory of God. And I think that idea that I can always do meaningful work, whether it's in my nine to five job, whether it's in my family, whether it's in my community, I can always do work in a meaningful way. No, yeah, that's good. Um, And I'm listening to you and thinking about... um, how what what's something like practical where you can bring it down to earth and center yourself like well you s- you hear sweeping oh it's just sweeping i'm just this but it's like well thank god for the movement of my limbs mm-hmm. thank god for being able to transfer me from place to place and a lot of people talk about gratitude right now but just being thankful to god for the things that we may not even think about right. um, mm-hmm. having food on our table if we have it for our daily bread every day I'm relying on God to help us because think about it. You sometimes we get sick and we don't realize like, wow, I was feeling so healthy Mm -hmm. and now I'm sick. But if you're grateful every day for the little things, you start to see God more. I think um, even in trans, even in not having an accident as you drive a little over the speed limit, that's what? me. What? Just, just hey. a tiny what? schmidge, you feel me? But like, <laughs> imagine how fast you could go if you knew how to drive stick. Oh, I mean, that really could take you to the next level. <sighs> I'm sorry, that was me snoring, <laughs> and now I'm up again. But yes, <laughs> but just the mindfulness to have, because I think that brings it even that connects God even more because He's living, He's allowing us to live and walk out our calling, but live on the day to day and yeah. and to be grateful to Him for that opportunity to even have this conversation, you know, mm-hmm. is he's working through that. So that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- I want to go a little further on that, John, because, you know, we we're talking about specifically for folks who are out of work or may not have the, you know, right now work um, available to them for whatever reason. L- I want to go a little further into what you were just talking about, though. Is it possible for someone who, you know, loves God or claims to love God, follow God to, honor God and still hate their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. can you do both? Can you hate your job? You know, cause there's yeah. lots of people like, Oh, I hate my job. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. my boss. Oh, I hate our environment. Is it possible to hate your job and still honor God with your work? Can those things coexist? I mean, I think, yeah, it's first of all, it, I think it should be said that to hate your job is a is a very serious thing mm-hmm. you know yeah. L- i mentioned this a little bit but like you spend the major for most of us we spend the majority of our waking hours yeah, outside of s- like sleeping yeah, yeah doing that job yeah mm-hmm. you know and so that's if if you feel that way i think that's something th- that's a serious conversation to have with yourself with mm-hmm. god with those around you with your boss or manager whoever it, that might be mm-hmm. it, it's just 
this is very practical and maybe a little uh, self-helpy, so I apologize, but the amount of time you put into a job, it is just not worth it to yeah. continually hate it and not do anything about it. Right. Again, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't work the through the tough days, you know, um, or you shouldn't do, you know, no one should be doing dirty, difficult jobs, but it's just not worth continually hating it and what it could do to you as a person. So that's one thing I would say. Another thing, and I talked about this in the teaching, would be I think a way through that other than starting to have conversations is to begin to look out for the opportunities of where the work that you're doing in that job is this spiritual work that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Where or how, even if it is two to three steps removed, is the work that you're doing in that job meeting a need, Mm -hmm. meeting the world's deep need in some way? Or does that work not do that at all? Mm -hmm. And that might be one of the reasons that you hate it so much, you know, because I I believe that God designed us in such a way that we are meant to do that type of meaningful work. And so when we're not doing work that actually serves the world in any sort of way, we probably will feel a bit out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing I'll say, which I'll actually pass off to you, Jarrett, if that's okay, Mm -hmm. something you and Jeannie talk about, um, a lot with our, with our staff is, um, you know, if you are going to leave a job, how you leave matters. Oh yes. It matters a lot. We we preach that gospel. And so can you, can you talk about that a little bit for, for the listener? Um, (laughs) yes, the listener, yes. And they're the person that hates their job and they're like, maybe, maybe it's time for me to leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time Mm -hmm. for me to transition. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we were taught and, um, and have really, you know, sought to honor since learning it. No one remembers how you start. Everyone remembers how you go mm. and how you end. Yes. No one remembers your first day. You might, but no one else is going to remember your, like, your first day in the office and how you're trying to find where the stapler was and you didn't have the code to the copier or whatever it is. No one remembers that. But people will remember how you leave mm-hmm. and how you leave goes with you. That's just what I've found to be true. Mm-hmm. You leave poorly one job, it comes, it follows you, it comes somehow, some way, it finds its way into your next job. And, you know, I've only, Gene and I have only left um, two jobs before starting this one, you know, since starting in like church work stuff. You know, I had a ton of jobs in college and high school, but you know, we've left two churches to start this church and we really wanted to honor our leaders and leave well, even if no one else cared, because we knew that we would probably be in relationship with these people. And we wanted to honor God in our departure and to still be well thought of. Mm -hmm. And I can say confidently, like the two churches that we've left, um, we could walk right back in today because we chose to leave really well. Now that doesn't always work out perfectly you know, sometimes you leave a job because you're told to leave it, you know? And so how do you respond to that rejection or being let go? How do you respond to that in a way that honors God? And, and even just between you and God, if no one else is watching or notices that you do it in a way that you can leave well, that you'll be glad to tell the story about later. And, um, you know, I, I think of folks that we, you know, there was someone that we were looking to hire early on in the church here, and they were telling us about how much they hated the church that they worked at. They didn't like their boss. They didn't trust their pastor and they couldn't wait to leave to come work for us. And, you know, if, that, if it was going to line up and both you and I stopped in the middle of a coffee and said, uh, we don't want you. Do not come until you resolve that relationship, until mm-hmm. you 
get clean, get clear with them. We're, we have nothing else to talk about because you will bring that with you. And we don't want that here. Mm. And to their credit, they did. It changed the timeline, added another six months uh, to the timeline. and But they did. And they were able to restore and to leave well so that they could start their next job well. Yeah, and it, it comes back to like, you know, you can't, you can't always do meaningful work but you can always do work in a meaningful way. It It's about how you do your work. Yeah, it's about, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, how you do your work. You know, that the classic quote is like, not necessarily about how much money you make, but how you make your money matters. I, I think the same is true for the work that we do. Like how you go about doing the work that you do is just as important, mm-hmm. if not maybe more mm-hmm. than the, whatever the work is that you find yourself doing. Yeah. yeah. I actually have a story to share, too, that happened this week. Um, A couple years ago when I had graduated uh, grad school, I had this job as a counselor, and I was working specifically with kids who were court-involved and had violent behaviors in school. And this one, I had this one teenager, he was, like, about 16, and he was court-involved, and I would go with, me and his mom would work so hard going to court, and I only worked with him for about, like, two months, but we were going to court, um, because he had substance use issues and he, um, yeah, it just was, he had a lot going on and he was a great kid, but his, um, environment was pulling him into things, um, that weren't great for him. And so me and his mom were working and calling each other all the time. Um, and I actually had to end up leaving the job. The thing about social services is some of us work on grants. And when the grant ends, Mm -hmm. you have to leave Mm -hmm. um, because there's no more funding, um, which is is very familiar to social workers. And so I actually quickly left um, that job. And I called the mom the day that I left like, hey, I, I know this is very crazy, but I'm actually leaving today. And I know we worked so hard. But I, I really enjoyed your son, and I, I hate that I have to end my therapeutic relationship with him. But um, thank you for because we were partnering together. We were a good team, and so I hadn't talked to her since then. And last week, I got a um, page. We get pages to call this number, and I call the number, and I'm like, "Who is this? I don't know who this is." And I'm at work, and um, I say, "Hi, uh, this is Noelle. What, wh- who is this?" <laughs> And she said, hi, this is um, me. And I was just like, I recognized her her voice instantly. And it had been two years since I talked to her. Wow. And she's like, hey, I wanted to call you and tell you that my son passed away mm-hmm. um, from gun violence. And I just wanted to call you specifically. He passed away in November, but I wanted to call you because in the two months that we worked together, we both were working so hard to really save him. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did have to leave that job. But the impact that I had on her and the impact that she had on me Mm -hmm. was so powerful that she hadn't talked to me for two years that she looked me up on Google and she was like, (laughs) and she's like, I just wanted to call you and say thank you for pouring into me and thank you for telling me to fight for him. Because I was like, he left this earth knowing that you cared. Um, And so I was in shock and she sent me his obituary. And and this has happened a lot for people who work in um, violence prevention, but that's what we're saying here matters because I just experienced it last week from a mom who's grieving, but called me who was a young 20 something who was just like, we're going to fight as hard as we can to save him, even though the streets want to take him away from us, Mm -hmm. but you fought for your son. So it does matter how you interact with people. It does. You leave a lasting impression 
on what you say and how you end relationships. And, mm. and I think that was something I saw was obvious. Yeah. Well done. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. powerful. Yeah, and you're working yeah. against incredible odds in those circumstances. Oh, absolutely. Incredible. Like, yeah. it, I can't imagine the, the how ta- discouraging how discour- feeding, yeah. Yeah. to do to do that kind of yeah. work. And but still, it's like, oh, no, I've I made this show up. Today. Yeah, yeah. I've made this show up. Show up. Yep. Yeah, and fight for these families. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna get probably a little bit more. I know, John, you have a very full schedule very and <laughs> we feel today. just so honored that you would make the time to right. fly in here. I felt like it was a little much that you literally flew out of town <laughs> just so that you could say you flew in to do this yeah. podcast. I thought that was a bit excessive. I talked about my obsession with success earlier. Yeah. And I'm so working through it. So yeah, I thought that was a bit much, but, but since we have you, we want to kind of we'll start to wrap up the conversation here in <laughs> a little bit. And we want to keep focused on this idea that you talked about this last week on finding greater purpose in our work. Mm. Yes. Um, And I also want to shift in terms of the way that we view work in general, but what would it like look like for us to get more on purpose um, this week or in the future, but also not having too much anxiety about the future, but what can we do um, to get more practically coming out of this last week? Yeah. Out of this last week. Yeah. I think uh, so a practical, a very practical thing um, that, that I'm actually going to borrow from something that that Jeannie took us through as a staff a few months ago at our staff retreat, and and this wasn't a, a necessarily as much of a formal exercise as more of an informal conversation she led us mm-hmm. through. But um, I talked a lot in in this past weekend's teaching about you know God's call to us is to work with Him to to partner with him and Jeannie's language for this was to co-create with God mm-hmm. um, that in the work that God is doing to create all the beauty and goodness that God does in the world that, that we join in and we co-create with him. And we had this discussion as a staff where Jeannie just invited us to call out where we see other staff members co-creating with God in our church. Mm. And you know, there's, there's the really obvious answers like Jarrett co-creates with God through providing world-class teaching, you know, Fabi in the band, you know, through, you know, Kelly through leading our church. But then there's things like Connor who is in charge of our entire building, you know, mm-hmm. and the f- Connor co-creates with God in making sure that before anyone ever comes into a room, a guest that they were thought of, Mm-hmm. that the room was set up in such a way where they can be comfortable and they can feel mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And so that that idea and that little exercise, I think is such a good thing to do. And if you're not quite ready to do it with yourself yet, I would say do it with other people. Like look at the other people in your family or your friends, look at the work they do and just begin to think to yourself, how do they co-create with God? In, mm-hmm. wh- in what way do they partner with God in, in doing spiritual work in the world? And then maybe once you have a little bit of because once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then maybe once you get a little more f- comfortable, sit down if you have a journal or something, and and just write out, I co-create with God by da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. I co-create with God by da-da-da. And come up with three, five, ten, twenty ways in your job and in your life that you seek to partner with God in, in doing that work in the world. Um, yeah. That's that's what I would encourage folks to do. I, I find it a, a really helpful exercise. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna like put Noelle on the spot because she oh really no. loves when we just spring things on yes, her. Yes, she does. <laughs> and it's not part of the plan that we talked about. Oh gosh. So Noelle, I'd love for folks to get to know you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? You know, first pass, first glance, like as much as you can tune into right now. 
how do you get to co-create with God in the work that you do? Because what folks don't realize is we're here recording this. You came literally from work. Like, straight from work like we're still yes. answering emails like all on the way over like you yes. came straight from work to do this today and I'm so grateful you did oh, um, wow. but how do you how do you you know at some level feel like you get to co-create with God in the work that you specifically do oh wow um yeah so I I am a social worker and I've said this before I do a lot of work around child abuse um and assessing for child abuse and so um and there's a lot that goes into that because we partner with a lot of outside agencies too. But as a social worker in general, the, the ethics that we live by are very um, related to the work that God calls us to in terms of honoring people, of advocating for people, of seeking justice and respecting where the person is. So starting with the person in their environment, but also starting with when they come into your office or when they come into our hospital, I have to start where mom is. I can't take her somewhere I want her to go, but mm. what is she dealing? What's her need right now? So every day I, I feel very connected to God in that work. Um, one, because I have to respect people as they carry the image of God, but also I have to be with them and hold space for them while they're going through very traumatic times. Um, even if sometimes I'm assessing for child abuse and it happens to not be, um, uh, child abuse, but it just happens to be an accident or something mm-hmm. like that. But I always have an opportunity to advocate um, for my families in my work. And then again, I was raised by a social worker. I was raised by parents who advocate for people on the daily. So even in the work that I do now, I'm always like watching people and being like, okay, do they need me? Okay. All right. Oh, wait, well, what should I do this? Should I do that? Um, so I'm always um, conscious of that God is moving, God is in people. And I think I'm becoming more and more conscious of like, sometimes I look at a person and be like, wow, that's, that's an image bearer. Like I'm Mm. seeing God right now Mm -hmm. and how can I honor and respect them? Even if they're not, um, even, even if they're homeless, even if they are an older person, um, advocating for the vulnerable, the Bible talks a lot about, um, widows and children. And so the work I do as a social work or pairs with that a lot. And I knew that, um, coming from a Christian college and having like a Christian and social work education. But also I just see that very plainly. That's awesome. I mean, I love that, you know, you kept using that word advocate and that is what the Holy spirit even describes itself as, as an advocate. Like Jesus said, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to send you one as an advocate for you who it goes back to what John's message was this last weekend, that not only we get to work with, but that works for you when Mm -hmm. you feel out of step when you feel out of energy when you feel out of alignment that that god is through the spirit working for you and i love Mm -hmm. that you noel get to do that every day you get to co-create with god by advocating Mm -hmm. for others that's that's awesome and not just in church work Mm -hmm. that's yeah right (laughs) like i i was thinking Mm -hmm. about this earlier as well like the the first calling to human beings in the bible in genesis 1 where i taught from it was not to start a church to be a youth pastor it was to (laughs) garden Oh, mm. yeah, you're right. You know, it was to <laughs> garden. This was not explicitly what we would think now as ministry necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but like if that was the first calling, then I, I can't imagine that there's any job that, you know, our listener might have yeah. that, our that, listener. that could <laughs> not, you know, do, do what you're talking about, yeah. co-creating with God. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to be a pastor. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a social worker to someone who, for to be someone who, who seeks justice, um, to be someone who 
looks intently for the image of God in people. Because it's like we said this whole time, it's very evident. Yeah, it's, there. it's very clear that God is in people and speaking through people. Um, you just have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, well, I love it. Well, Noel, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and can we thank John for joining us here today as our... <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, not again. As not our again. guest, not again, not enough is what you meant to say. Uh, so John, thank you for flying back in to Chicago to do this with us. And Anytime. thank you, Noel. I'm so grateful for you and for uh, all of who you are and what you get to bring into the world. We want to thank Julian, hey. our DJ Khaled of this podcast, who's uh, <laughs> producing. He's in the booth. And by booth, I mean a plastic table two feet away from us. <laughs> Um, making this all sound so amazing. And obviously we want to thank you, our listener, yes, thank for, you, listener. for staying with us through these three episodes. But we're really excited. I mean, the, the John and Noel have a vision for this. Julie have a vision for this as a way for us to expand sort of the teaching and, the, and what God's doing at Soul City into more of this conversational space that people can engage with at any time throughout the week in any place they want. So uh, thank you for listening. We really do appreciate that. And I appreciate you, Pastor Jared. Don't well, think you're about to get away. Well. Uh, yeah, I caught you. No rap uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I rap have porn. that on my okay. phone, man. All right, I'll teach you. <laughs> but thank you so much for your leadership of this church and bringing this opportunity for all of us to be here um, by following the vision God gave you. Thank so you. we're so thankful for the support to be on this podcast. Now, for our listener, which is my mom or my grandma, uh, I want to make sure that you subscribe and leave a review for this podcast. It helps other people find the podcast and experience transformation for themselves. And um, Pastor Jerry, can you do us a pastor thing and pray us out today? Yeah, yeah. I'll do. Actually, I'll toss it off to Ooh, a little benediction. Hello. John, I'm yes. throwing you uh, this to you. Give us a little like uh, benediction. I mean, you you quoted Brother Lawrence, mm. Frederick Beekner, Parker Palmer, yes. and you were thrown out. So give us a little benediction to send us off on episode three of the Transformation Podcast. All right, listener. <laughs> Our prayer is that God would wreck your life, wreck your work, mm. wreck your purpose with His unbelievable presence, love, and grace. We love you all. Awesome. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. For more from Soul City, including teaching, giving information, or to join us for any of our weekend gatherings, visit our website, soulcitychurch.com.